We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome back to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we are about to enter the final stretch, that last third of the season post-All-Star break. And somehow, guys, the Lakers ended up less healthy than they were before the All-Star break. There have been so many guys. We've We have five guys on the team in their 20s who have missed 10 plus games due to either knee effusion or soft tissue injuries. I can't say enough how I don't believe in the modern way of uh, managing guys throughout the season in terms of having guys available. But this is something I don't know a whole lot about, Mike. So let's kick it to you to start out. What is the update on LeBron and Wood? And then let's kick off our conversation on kind of this last uh, stretch of the season. Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, It's good to be back. The whole injury thing is funny because we haven't actually even heard from Darvin Ham yet because, uh, you know, Darvin had uh, Darvin met the, t- or met the team in the plane. He wasn't at the end of practice to speak. And then LeBron wasn't there either. So we haven't actually heard from them about it. We just got the update about Wood being out. And it's a uh, it sounds like it's around two weeks and then he's going to be reevaluated. But that's different from like when you heard the knee effusion for Gabe Vincent. Uh, and and he was out for a while um, b- before he actually ended up having the surgery. So that's a different timetable and therefore a different injury, even though it says effusion, which basically means swelling. It's confusing. Here's the bottom line. The Lakers are now down to basically just Jackson Hayes as a backup big. And, you know, we know that he's not really a backup center uh, in certain matchups, just in terms of, as Jackson would tell you himself, his size. Like he's more of a... A, a pogo stick jump up and down type of an athlete he's not he doesn't have a lot in the in the back of the pants and so what does that mean well maybe we see some colin castleton uh who is the lakers one of the lakers two-way guys and a big who you know i think we all like uh, having seen him play for the south bay lakers and maybe he plays some with the second unit i don't know that that'll be one of the first questions that i asked darvin ham for the pregame uh but 
LeBron sometimes can play kind of the backup center, as we saw in the playoffs, and, and Rui to an extent. LeBron's going to be out against the Warriors. Rui is going to be starting, uh, and it just complicates things against a Warriors team that is playing much better, even from a couple of weeks ago when the Lakers were here. And they have kind of figured out what their group is. They've figured out the rotation. So um, not an ideal way to pick up what was a great start to February where the Lakers win six or seven games and have all this momentum heading into the all-star break to go into not just tonight's game against the Warriors, but a back-to-back against San Antonio who will be rested and, you know, Victor Wembenyama who will certainly be motivated after I saw his comments about all-star and, and kind of how you know, he thought that people should try harder, which I thought was great. Uh, and and I agree. And he'll be waiting, you know, at the game that seems like a, an easy one against the Spurs team that is bad, but, you know, may not be on the second out of a back to back shorthanded and all that. And especially without bigs to potentially guard him other than AD. So uh, not ideal, Darius, but that's where things are right now. And that's sort of how the first part of the season went for the Lakers. Yeah, the wood injury comes out of nowhere. He had played in the games up until the All Star break. And so for him to now be out and not just out for a couple of games, but like reevaluated in two weeks. That can mean anything. So he's out at least two weeks. Earlier during the season when the Lakers were dealing with all of their injury stuff, Pete, it was like there was a Mendoza line for like all of these different positions, right? Like, oh, they're down X number of ball handlers. Do they have enough ball handlers? Like they're down X number of forwards. Do they have enough big bodies? And they are at that level Again, now, in terms of forwards, now that Wood is out. Vanderbilt's out, too. And so it's only AD, LeBron, Hayes, and Rui. And three of those guys start. It can get complicated fairly quickly in terms of how you're going to navigate the rotation piece of things. And I was pleased with how much the Lakers were going to sort of these two big looks when both Hayes and Wood and LeBron and AD and Vanderbilt, like all of these guys were healthy and we were getting minutes with Hayes and Wood next to LeBron or Wood and AD or Hayes and AD. And now those just aren't really possible based off of the number of injuries that the team has. Hopefully LeBron will be back soon, but in the big picture, I think that this, gives the Lakers an idea of what their big man rotation will be, but it also takes away an option that would allow the team to skew in the direction that we prefer the team to play in. Right. And so it's going to be way more printed, the three lineups, way more three guard lineups. And those lineups can function well in certain parts of the game against certain matchups, but you start to thread the needle there. A little bit right in terms of how this is going to work and now they're going to have to go to that regardless and so yeah. there's going to be too many stretches i think where the team might have issues defensively and on the backboards and so how do you see the balance with this guys in terms of defense offense lineups and all the stuff that darvin is going to have to juggle with this pete just to add this with you Reddish and Christie, I think, could both be back for tonight's game. They're listed as questionable, but we had heard before the break that, you know, they were targeting this game. And so they're, you know, they're not, they kind of fit into what Darius was saying on the smaller side, but at least they both defend. 
And, and so maybe that's, you know, maybe that's something that can mitigate this a little bit, even though it's going to have to completely switch some of the lineups. I think this really plays into the big story of this last part of the season, which are who are the guys that Darvin chooses to play? Um, this has obviously been a big story throughout the season, but there are going to be a, a lot of different options, but also limited by these injuries. Now, if I if I were to snap my fingers and I had control over the rotations, Wood actually would have been out of the rotation for me the moment Dinwiddie got here. And I've thought that his minutes should be cut. So with LeBron also being out, I think we dip below that Mendoza line of we just don't have enough front court guys when it's LeBron and Wood and Vando, right? Especially against a Golden State team where athletic size is really what counters what Golden State likes to do well. So we'll talk, I think, a little more in the last segment, more specifically about the game tonight. But I do think that just being without a lot of our athletic size, especially without LeBron, we're in a tough spot. When LeBron comes back, I do think that we're in a decent spot. And I thought that Wood's minutes should be cut. I also thought before Reddish got hurt that his minutes should be cut, right? And so in some ways, the injuries, I think, have shaped us in a way that I think this is the right group of guys. I thought Hayes was the guy that can really ignite a lot of what the team is good at in a lot of ways. And I think we've seen the best of him over the last couple of weeks. And so I do think there's still that opportunity to see those two big lineups. I think it's going to be important to get Rui out of the game earlier so we can come back in, especially without LeBron, um, so that we have enough size on the floor in that wraparound portion of the game, that last few minutes of the first quarter, first of the, of the second type of thing. And so it's going to be tricky, but I do think that we have enough guys to be able to be competitive. I, I'd be surprised if we won tonight, but I do think that uh, with Wood being out, we're okay. But I am cer- certainly curious to see what direction Darwin goes in, specifically with Max and Cam. So I kick that to you. Where do their return, D, where does that, where do they kind of fit into this? So I think Max is super important. And I honestly think if there's one player who I would plug into the rotation when the team is down forwards, it would be Max, just because he's the one guy who, while defensively, I think he's best on smaller players. He is Cam is a better also, defender than him, I think. Yeah. Cam offers more variety for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think his point of attack and disruptiveness is there. To me, they are different sides of the same, same coin. To me, they're both best on like shooting guard guys are a little bit smaller who where their athleticism and length and ability to stand in there and not get bowled over by a stronger dude is like best used. Um, Cam is so much more of like a darting quick twitch, like, mm-hmm. like gambler. And Christy is so much more of a fundamental, like you're going to have to beat me. You're not going to shake me and I'm not going to be going for a bunch of fakes. I'm just there the whole time. And both of those have their pluses and minuses. The reason why I like Christie in general is because he's such a better rebounder than any of the other Lakers smaller players Mm -hmm. that while he's best on like smaller, more fundamental guards or, or even guards who aren't like physical forces who like to drive a lot and, and really go, go through your chest. He is going to drop down and sandwich rebounds and, and, and hit the glass and really help in that area where I think that as the Lakers lose size, that's where they feel it the most is on the backboards. And so I think, let's be clear here, like Rui's not the best defensive rebounder. He's fine, but he's not, that's not a strength of his. And Mike, like LeBron at this stage, his defensive rebounding waxes and wanes to a certain extent. And so they need a guy who's going to come in from the top of the circle and be like, nope, 
I'm helping here. And Max does that. And so it's one of the reasons why I hope he's right back into the rotation just because his skill set helps. Yeah, I, I think you hit on the point I wanted to just emphasize there with the Max and the rebounding because he rebounds more like a forward um, than a guard and like a, a good forward. And if you just if you pull Rui a little bit earlier and get Dinwiddie into the game, like, yes, you're a little bit smaller there, but Dinwiddie gives you a certain pop there that kind of like in the way that Rui can't be guarded if you have LeBron and AD out there. I think it's pretty tough to handle Dinwiddie when you also have Reeves and Russell. That's just, that's a lot. It's different, but it's a lot of ball handling. It's a lot of shooting. And I think like you're going to sacrifice something on the boards, but you're going to pick it up offensively. And then you bring Rui back with Jackson Hayes and Max, and then you're, you're sort of collectively have more rebounding. And maybe you can go to Cam Reddish and, and be like, hey, look, we're a little smaller here. One of the things that Christian Wood did so well was rebound. That was one of the things about the, the yeah. lineups with LeBron and AD, that he was allowing AD to get out in the perimeter and then clearing the glass on the baseline. And that's the part that I don't know that the Lakers can replicate, even with Max, even with if you get Cam Reddish to rebound more. Um, and that's the part where I wonder that some minutes for Castleton, like at least rebounding on the back line, I do think is something that he could do defensively. But we have to see it. And we have to see it certainly in high leverage games. And, you know, against the Warriors, Pete, it is a tough one uh, for yeah. that one. But I, I just wanted to emphasize the rebounding. And Chris represents some of it, but he doesn't completely replace in the way that Wood does on that back line. For sure. It's going to be have to be something that the, the Lakers are really mindful of with their lineups or else there's going to be a lot of opportunity for the other team to exploit that. Let's take a break here. Come back. I want to talk a little bit about the Lakers emerging offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we talked a lot about the Lakers passing and assists, right? Number one in the league over the last 15 games. They're also number two in fewest turnovers. Thank you, wonderful producer Jenny, for sharing that with me. That's a remarkable combination to have the most assists and the second fewest turnovers in a long stretch. And so I turn that question to you, Mike. We've got this kind of emerging offense in the context of these injuries and with Dinwiddie coming into play. I do think that you're onto something with that, like three guards, uh, you know, and and that ability to kind of find an entry point in the defense where, okay, you've got your best defender on say D'Lo. Maybe you got your second best guy on Dinwiddie. Okay. It's Austin's turn on this possession. He's the guy with the mismatch. And so I'm curious your thoughts on the offense going into this uh, last portion of the season. It's been a, a crazy turnaround. And I think that we're going to find out a lot of truth about them over this last stretch. 
the two games before the All-Star break, um, I had to fill in for Michael on the radio, uh, Michael Thompson, and he was uh, at a funeral uh, for his own former high school coach. And so I, I only got to do my sideline hits were just the first of the game and it, it, like to start the game and then to start the third quarter. And then I would run up to the booth. And so I, I was like, I want to try and find something here that actually is meaningful, that can that can impact the game. So I'm so like, what is the stat? And I'm looking through stuff. And what you just mentioned, Pete, I'm like, wait, how they're first in both assists or they're, they're at the top of the league yeah. in assists, but then they're not turning the ball over. And I don't remember what the exact stat was, but I think I used like over, it was either February or maybe the last 15 games. Um, I'll, I'll have to go back and check it. But I, and I had asked a couple of the players about it and even Darvin Ham about it. And it's sort of a hard question to answer. Like, well, why are you not turning the ball over at all? And <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, you know, we're not like we're, we're slowing down or we're making good passes. So I want to try and get an answer from you guys. Cause it's a, it's, like you can talk, it's offense just in general. Um, if you're playing it well and you're running it the right way and you're understanding it and you're being disciplined, then your turnover is going to be low and your assists are going to be high. But it's it's tough to explain why that would be such a rapid difference and a massive difference from what it was earlier in the season. So I don't know that I have the full answer other than that they're they're just doing it a lot better. So I'm curious how you guys would define a couple of things. I know you can. I know you've picked out a couple of things um, that I haven't thought of. The Lakers play a relatively risk-free style of five-out basketball. Uh-huh. They are not this worrying machine the way that the Warriors are or even the way that the Nuggets are where there's so many cuts while one guy has the ball and there's a bunch of guys moving around at all of these, these places. The Lakers optimize their five-out spacing and then they play through the post. And honestly, part of the reason why to me, their turnovers are down is because AD's not turning the ball over as much as he's posting up and as much as he's handling the ball. And so to me, it's just like he's a key ingredient with the Lakers just being like, hey, we're making not a not quote unquote the easy pass, but the right pass. And this is something that Darvin has said a bunch, Mike, which I think is a very simplistic explanation, but it's like the most direct one. It's like they're making the right play. They are making the right pass. And when you make the right pass, more often than not, the other team's not going to steal it. And earlier during the season, it's just like the Lakers were not making the right pass. They were not making the right read. They were driving in to traffic. Then everyone is covered up and they're trying to pass the ball through these insanely tight windows or make double gap passes into single gaps. And it's just like, hey, bro, like that's not it. Like there's a defender standing right there and you threw it right to him. That's not the read. And so Pete, it's like, it's just their basic understanding of things has gone up exponentially, but also their ability to just say, this is the guy who's open. I'm passing it to him. There's not a defender there. That's the easiest explanation to me. I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the season, I was losing my crap about over penetration and just like kind of running right into into the teeth of the defense. I was sending you guys overhead shots of the triangle of death, as I call it, right? The three defenders that will converge on you in a in a five out a dribble penetration. And the way that they are incrementally leveraging their advantages by just making the right play. Like you're saying, it's like, okay, teams like to pack the paint against us. They've been doing it for years. Our two best players are rim seekers. It's a very obvious type of strategy. And 
over and over again, I would be sending you guys, you know, little clips where it's like, just pop into the open space. For God's sake, just go here. There's nobody here. Either shoot this shot or keep it moving from here, but just like make the play that's open. And so when you're playing the style, it's sort of like water takes the shape of its container. It's like whatever the defense is choosing to do, they're also giving something up within the context of that. And one thing that I don't think people realize is the degree that the rationale from play to play on from NBA teams, whether it's the Lakers or anywhere else, on offense is very much based in who is your weakest guy or what are the weaknesses that we want to attack relative to our guys and what do they do well, right? And so the advantage and the rationale behind why I wanted Rui to start is that if you have five really good players on offense all on the court at the same time, there's just a nowhere to hide sort of principle to that where you can attack from that point. And it's obvious to both teams, right? Where it's, okay, this is the guy that's the weakest defender. We're going to start out there. And when you flip that to the defensive perspective, the more disadvantaged that you are defensively, the less aggressive you can be. So you can't put ball pressure with a bad defender on a good ball handler or it's going to blow right by you, right? You kind of got to sag off. We've talked about this with the Lakers of like, hey, if you don't have your good defenders, you kind of got to be in a contained defense, make them shoot jump shots, get a hand up. But it's not, we're going to get up into your jersey, deflect the ball, play ball denial off of it, right? Uh, hedge and recover and scramble and fly all around when you're not advantaged like that. And so to me, that's one of the big keys within that is that it's starting from a place where Rui is being guarded by a guy that can't really guard him. And that guy's not going to be able to turn him over. And then you kind of build on that advantage from there. D, I, I wanted to mention this in passing because I think we'll talk about it more uh, toward the end of the season. But over this break, I started getting back into chess again and uh, watching like chess videos. And hearing like people who know way more about it break it down uh and and sort of that idea of locking in an advantage and then building on it and not giving it away is something that it, it takes repetition and practice but i think that that's something that the lakers within the five out style it's like okay you're a little bit out of position so we're going to attack that way somebody helped but we're going to swing it to the guy that you helped off of and eventually you just keep leveraging that advantage and it ends up in an open shot to build on the chess analogy a little bit the idea of like being able to go first, which is what you do in chess when like you're white and why white always has the advantage. It's like it's the same on on offense. And so when you get to when you get to dictate where the ball is moving, if you can begin with an advantage and then slowly like bleed that advantage from your opponent and your opponent is always like just a half a step or a step behind. That's how the Lakers end up getting a bunch of wide open threes and playing in the type of rhythm that they've been playing in lately. Cole Farb, shout out. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> I'm glad to see you back into the mix, Pete. Yeah, that was such a, a good and interesting explanation of the offense because it's like, while it's simple, uh, it's also complicated and it required the right personnel on the one hand in terms of Rui and just being bigger and, and, and not having a spot where uh, that would you could gain an advantage on the other end. And then it also required kind of Austin Reeves to get up to a certain level of understanding with it alongside D'Angelo Russell, but then also with Anthony Davis. And the fact that those three plus LeBron have been mostly healthy this year, uh, again, and knock on wood, and they have been able to build some true cohesion, which is different from the type of way that they were playing in the spring when they went on that run. And it was more just kind of, 
LeBron and AD are awesome. And, you know, we'll take opportunities when we can on the other side. And then, oh, eventually LeBron realized what Austin can do. And so he's going to start to lean into that more. But Russell wasn't a big part of that picture in terms of taking things over himself. It's like, so they, they have made this transition as a group and as a duo. Um, and, and now the team has gotten to a point where it's, it's finally all clicking to an extent. And it just, it just makes me think more about like how much, LeBron and AD's teammates have changed over these yeah. four years and and like had the Lakers just been sort of doing a certain thing around LeBron and AD since the 2019-20 season um maybe just what what things would have looked like but let's forget all that for now uh and I, I'm I'm just curious now Pete like what now that the Lakers have turned a corner here and they've established something and how much does the how much does an injury here, an injury there, and a change in style and, and the opponents, how much does all of that impede um, or impact what they can do offensively? Or do you think that a lot of what this, what we've seen so far is here to stay for the rest of the season? I think a lot of what we've seen so far is here to stay for the rest of the season. However, teams like Golden State, especially without LeBron, pose a great challenge to that. So let's take another break, come back, talk about the game t- tonight. So there are a couple of places where Golden State is a great challenge to the Lakers. Obviously, without Vando and LeBron, if you look at Vando specifically, his plus minus against the Warriors is always great, especially in, in the regular season, right? As the as the playoff series last year went on, he played less and less. That's playoff basketball to a degree, but uh, it, it's going to be hard without him. Draymond is one of the best one-on-one defenders of AD. I think I'm super curious to see to what degree Golden State doubles on him uh, and how much a tap doubles have not. They are a very switch heavy team, D. And so that's something that I think that Dinwiddie will be important in terms of breaking down mismatches and, uh, and, and all of that. They also play a level of ball pressure and ball denial that's super underrated that from rewatching over the course of this break, some of our, our final games as Fun as it was to watch us put up a buck 39 a couple of times in 70 point quarters on a regular basis. We didn't really face anybody that's, that is both getting up into your jersey and then uh, off of the ball playing a great deal of ball denial. I think we've gotten way better at beating that sort of ball denial. So maybe that's part of the reason why. But the Warriors will, will challenge the, the Lakers in this respect, uh, particularly without LeBron. So curious your thoughts. You're going to be going to the game tonight, D. You know the Warriors very well. I think it's going to be a tough game for, for the Lakers tonight. It's definitely a tough game. You said it earlier that it will be tough for the Lakers to win this game, and I totally agree. Something my wife smiled at when I told her that yesterday when I said LeBron's not playing, <laughs> and she was just sort of like, "Ah, shucks, too bad for you guys." That make me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I'm super interested about is Steve Kerr's defensive matchups. So when the Lakers last played the Warriors, they played that double OT thriller, and the Warriors cross-matched all over the court, right? So Draymond guards AD, but they had like Steph guarding Vando and they had both their big wings, Wiggins and Kaminga on the Lakers primary ball handlers in Austin and D'Lo. And you would think they would need to put one of Wiggins or Kaminga on LeBron, but they didn't. They put clay on LeBron. And I remember messaging you guys early during the game, and I'm just like, they got Clay on LeBron. I wonder if LeBron's going to play through the post more. And LeBron's jumper was going so well, he didn't play through the post as much. He played through it a little bit later. But that was a cat and mouse game that was happening all game about how 
Kerr deployed his big wings and who they defended. But most of the time, they really wanted to put athletic size on D'Lo and Austin. But Mike, the Warriors have changed their starting lineup. And they have removed Clay Thompson from the starting group. And they have put in Pajemski. Now, the Lakers have also changed their starting lineup. LeBron's not going to play. And so the most likely lineup is going to be Prince at small forward, Rui at power forward, and then Austin and D'Lo and AD. And so I put this to you, Mike. Who does Pajemski guard? And who does Steph guard in order for them to still put Wiggins and Kaminga on D'Lo and Austin? Because I think that's Kerr's preferred approach, but... Pajemski is not Clay, And one of those dudes is going to have to guard Rui if Rui is going to start. And so I'm most interested at first in what is the Warriors defensive alignment? Because as Pete noted earlier, that's going to dictate where they where the Lakers feel their attack point is and their entry point in to offenses. Yeah. So just to emphasize the shift that Golden State has made a little bit more. So Clay comes off the bench, and he did happen to still play 28 minutes in their last game against Utah, and he was hot up until the fourth quarter. Like he missed all four of his shots in the fourth quarter, and he was still 13 for 22 from the field. Uh, I don't expect that to to continue, but just the fact that he's on the bench is, of course, a lot different. And Kaminga's so not just his minutes, but his role even has increased uh, from that Laker game, and how much that they're going through him, and how much they're revolving around his athleticism. That was the problem, I thought, for the Warriors on top of the lack of size. And that's still an issue for them against AD. Um, Even though what Pete said about Draymond being able to guard AD better one-on-one than almost anybody, I think that AD has made some gains in that this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that AD is going to be able to exploit some of that a little bit more in this one. But nonetheless, it's a a fair point. So they're like – they're closer now that they're the clays off the bench and, and pods gives them so much in the starting lineup and Kaminga's role has expanded and they're giving backup minutes to a healthy Gary Payton. The second who is super key for them for those same reasons of athleticism and pop and just kind of energy around clay and Steph and Draymond. So like they've, they've gotten to, I think the optimal lineup for what they have in the roster. I don't think it's enough to make a serious run, but it's enough to give somebody some real trouble. Uh, and it's absolutely enough to beat the Lakers on a night that they don't have LeBron. So who's going to guard whom and when? Uh, I, I do think that that my the, if I'm Steve Kerr and having listened to Steve Kerr pregame before all of these Lakers Warriors games, he's starting with Anthony Davis and he's trying to figure out what like what he can do with Draymond. Can he get away with not doubling him uh, because of how Draymond is affecting him? And if AD is not going to allow him uh, to single cover him and is going to attack him in the way that he attacked Utah. Because guess who didn't double team him the game before the break? Utah. And what did AD do? He scored 37 points easily. Um, so he's not like it's different going against um, Walker Kessler or Markinen or whoever Utah was trying to guard him with than it is Draymond. Absolutely. But I, I kind of hope that AD attacks Draymond in that same way and doesn't let him play physical. And that to me, Darius, not to skirt the question about perimeter matchups, that's kind of where I start thinking about how how things play off of that in this game. I, 
I love this. And let, let me kind of build the bridge to the point that you're you're making right there is one of the reasons that I think Golden State starts with, hey, we're going to put our, our forwards in Wiggins and, uh, and Kuminga on your guards is that they're so switch heavy that if you come to set a, a screen to, hey, let's get Jonathan Kuminga off of Austin Reeves to get him some space, they're just going to switch that because then whoever the screen setter is in most cases is either going to be Draymond if it's AD or if it's uh, or it's a guard guarding one of the other uh, one of the other guys, right? And so that's part of the rationale for that is that if you switch that, okay, now you've got a guard on a guard and there's still not a great deal of ad- advantage there. But what you're saying, Mike, about playing through AD and playing through the post in particular, I think is spot on. That's kind of the weakness of the strategy of, of putting your bigger forwards on the guards is that kind of presupposes that there's not a lot of teams in the NBA who can attack out of the post as effectively as we can. And so Rui is a guy that really comes to mind for me, D, within the context of that. So if you're asking who guys are going to guard, I'd say Steph probably starts out on Prince if he, if he starts. I think they got to move Kaminga back over to Rui and then put Wiggins on either D'Lo or Austin. But this kind of plays to the point that I was making earlier is you probably attack, okay, whoever Pods is guarding, is is it on Austin? Is it on D'Lo? Whomever it is, okay, we're going to run our offense through that guy. Or if it's if it's Steph, right? If that's one of the things about Prince not being a ball handler, and why I think Dinwiddie might be important is he adds another guy that can beat you off of the dribble and can attack a guy like Steph. But I think that that's kind of the way that it looks. It kind of, flip the question back on you, D. What? How do you see the matchups uh, playing out tonight? Yeah, I think they have to put size back on Rui, or Rui is going to be in the post all nope. night. And we saw how that worked against Detroit and Utah. Basically, Rui missed all of like eight shots over the course of two games and was really just pounding dudes down there. I don't think they can get away with just switching everything either. Like, I think they can switch certain guard to guard matchups. I think that they can switch certain guys on onto AD. But if they get in the lazy switch mode, and suddenly there's too many possessions where Steph is on Rui or Pods is on Rui, then they're going to find that matchup. Hilo is pretty good at finding that matchup. The other key to me, of course, and this can't be known before the game, is like, how will the game be called and what will the foul trouble situation be? And so the Warriors have no one for AD except for Draymond. No one at all. Right. And so Looney's been playing a much reduced role this season, but he's typically the next man up if you're playing against like a high level offensive big man. Like if they're playing Philly or if they're playing Denver, it's going to be Looney who comes in next and not Jackson Davis and not Sarich. But AD cooks all those dudes. Like Looney has nothing for AD. And it's one of the reasons why they had to start to change that's one of the reasons why through all the noise about the Lakers changing their starting lineup as much as they did last season and and in the playoffs the Warriors must have changed yep. theirs four different times in the six yep. games that they played because they kept trying to find the right solution and the right elixir to play against the Lakers team and they never found that and it was because they couldn't play both of those bigs both offensively and then defensively they weren't getting the benefit of playing those bigs against AD And so one of the things I'm looking for, Mike, is 
that aggression that you're asking for from Anthony Davis, I want that too. And I also want to see is if Draymond can defend AD as aggressively as he wants to defend AD without fouling him. Because one of the things that Draymond does best against bigger players is he leverages his low center of gravity to get into players like hips and get underneath them, push them out further on the court, and then make them... And, and then make them play a ground game rather than an air game. And, and he'll win that ground game. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. And then even when they're in the air, he is a master of like hand placement and making sure that's just like, oh, low forearm on your hip or on your quadricep area where suddenly you're just off balance a little bit. And that four foot jump hook that you normally make suddenly rolls off the left side of the rim because your equilibrium was just a little bit off because Draymond's hand placement is so good. And so I'm looking for AD to say, oh, I expect you to play me one-on-one. I'm not waiting for the double and I'm going to attack you in order to put you on your heels because Draymond is the best. I'm going to make you respond to me defenders in like the entire league he he really puts you on your heels where suddenly it's just like he does his work early he makes you catch the ball further out then he's pressuring your handle he's doing all of this crappy stuff and it's why he's a perennial defensive player of the year um challenger and and so ad is going to have have his hands full but mike ad's been amazing this year i'm writing about him in three things today just like ad appreciation he made his ninth all-star game this season and he's been brilliant he's been brilliant on both sides of the ball this is a game where without lebron you always look to ad to carry a little bit more but this is a high leverage matchup where it's not like oh you're going against Embiid or Jokic, but you're going against probably the best individual defensive player you will face on any given night and so go win your matchup and i think that's the ask of of ad tonight beyond everything else that he that he'll have to do defensively Quick note on AD. I was mostly off for the All-Star break, but I, I did uh, take a quick pause to write a, a post-game summary of the All-Star game. And I was, so I was looking up. I was like, wait, how many AD? Nine All-Star appearances, appearances is a lot. I'm like, how many players have more than that? And I was surprised to find out that it's only 43. So AD right now has, more, has the 44th most All-Star appearances of any player, and he's 30 years old. And, you know, he's, he's going to keep climbing that list. And it's just, just a little note in time that I to go right back into the LFR AD propaganda mode of him being better um, than giving credit for. But like, that's pretty good. Now, I think that the reason I started with AD and and continue on this AD track to throw it to Pete is that I think about this game tonight, almost like game two of a series uh, when the Lakers won game one, just like they did in the Western Conference semis. And Golden State was big mad in game two. And I think that that's how they're going to play. In this one, they're they're mad. Like Steph literally ripped his jersey after <laughs> after the Lakers won in double overtime in a game that they really desperately wanted, and that energy is difficult to uh, to combat with, especially without LeBron. So they're they're just going to have to execute and hit shots, like all of the things that that aren't necessarily always perfect. I think are going to have to be in this game. And but the biggest way 
to to return and this is the final ad point because pete i'm curious if you have any quick thoughts on the guards and like the difference of how much pods is playing more than before is that like ad versus draymond can if you can attack their alpha um you know maybe that's that's one way that yeah. you can change some of that natural momentum and that natural energy and like go right at, at draymond and do one of 80s snarl dunks or something um that's that's about the only way that i can envision switching that natural energy that's going to be in the building for the warriors and I think Darius hits a great point too with uh, potential foul trouble. If you can get Draymond into foul trouble, I think you can really flip the game. Um, and so, yeah, with, with respect to Pods and your question about him playing more and him starting, I think tonight long rebounds are going to be just absolutely crucial. Pods is great at getting them long boards. They've got a lot of guys. GP2, as you said, is back in the ro- rotation and is very important to being good at this sort of thing. And so rebound, rebound, rebound. That's the thing tonight that if the Lakers can control the de- defensive boards, I think that they can um, they can they can leverage some advantage on the offensive end. I still think this is a good offensive group, Mike, even without LeBron. Uh, they were five and a half point underdogs, I think, in Utah and ended up winning that game. If it wasn't by 20, it, they were up by 20 late in the fourth. You know, they they really controlled that game. And so I still think that this particular group can be pretty good. Um, but guys like uh, like Hayes are going to be super important. See if he can stay on the floor defensively. Um, Rui, this is a team that, you know, in previous series, in the series, you know, he didn't play as much when we played them in the playoffs. I think with LeBron being out, he'll be able to play the four more, which will allow him to, it won't be as difficult to guard them, but going to be a tough game tonight. But I do think we have a chance if we can rebound. So let's wrap up here. We will be back tomorrow to discuss how it went. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.